Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of our Moving Energy Forward series, a series of special edition episodes where we sit down with esteemed professionals from all facets of the energy sector in an effort to gain expert knowledge, share that knowledge with all of you, and to join the important discussion on the future of energy. Thank you to our partner, Bennett Jones, for making this series possible. Today, our series host, Wayne Steffler of Future Energy Oakville, is back and is joined by Marshall Eidinger, partner at Bennett Jones. Marshall advises publicly listed companies, institutional investors, venture capital funds, and private enterprises on matters relating to corporate finance, mergers and acquisitions, private equity, and venture capital. Today's discussion will focus on electric vehicles, or EVs touching on topics such as the current EV sales targets for Canada and the factors influencing those targets, Ontario's EV charging infrastructure and the challenges for expansion, solutions being explored in regards to battery range, recommendations for employers and consumers in adapting to the evolving EV landscape, and more. Let's get into it. Okay, Marshall, uh, can you tell us uh, what, what are the current EV sales targets for Ontario? Uh, so, so it's actually the proposed federal regulations that have come out uh, relatively recently. And what the federal government is suggesting is that at least 20% of um, electric vehicles um, be, well, frankly, electric by 2026. And then um, 60% of them will be electric by 2030 with all electric vehicles on the road um, happening in 2035. There haven't been any regulations set out by the provincial government setting forth a specific number of electric vehicles that need to be on the road by a particular right, particular year. Okay, so that's that's for the entire entirety of Canada. Correct. So, what factors are influencing these targets? I think the big one on top of everybody's mind is obviously greenhouse gas emissions. Um, I mean, the yeah. more we're polluting, the more we're getting a push, obviously, towards electric vehicles. Um, another one that a lot of people are talking about is cost of vehicles. Um, currently, the cost of a lot of vehicles are pretty expensive, no matter kind of what um, OEM you're looking at, whether it's Tesla, Kia, Mercedes, they're all relatively close in price. Um, the next kind of big thing, especially here in Ontario, is incentives. Um, Ontario doesn't have incentives. Um, and so when you're looking at purchasing a vehicle, I mean, you're, you're paying the full rate. That's in comparison to British Columbia and Quebec, who have um pretty significant incentives that people are, are taking up, and it's frankly why British Columbia and Quebec have the largest take-up of electric vehicles in the country. Um, the, the other thing that we're hearing a lot about, um, and this kind of ebbs and flows, is the accessibility of vehicles. So notwithstanding that people are ordering them, sometimes people are getting their vehicles in two years, um, and so that's obviously a pretty pretty massive issue. Another one, another one we hear quite often um, is, is just charging infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, the charging infrastructure across Canada is pretty fragmented. Um, you'll p- probably find at least six or seven, potentially even eight different charging infrastructure providers. Um, and so, you know, if people want to know where they can charge, if they go from Toronto to Sudbury, Oakville to Vancouver and make sure that they have the proper charging infrastructure in place and how quickly those chargers actually will mm-hmm. act and whether or not people will be sitting having coffee for 20 minutes or, or yeah. you know, two hours. Um, the other thing that's kind of interesting is, is obviously oil prices. As oil prices have increased with current events, people are looking at electric vehicles to offset the cost. Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, housing supply is probably the last one I would talk about. You know, 
if you own a home, it's relatively easy to put in a charging station in your garage. If you live in an older building that has to retrofit to have those charging stations put in, it's going to obviously point you towards mm-hmm. maybe not getting an electric vehicle right away. Right. So I just wanted to go back to uh, the incentives there. So the, there's um, there's federal incentives. Correct. Um, there didn't there used to be Ontario incentives, or there there was, but there, th- they ended. They, they were they were ended with the Ford government. Right. Um, so we no longer have mm-hmm. provincial um, incentives. Like I said, right now you're seeing incentives from Quebec. You're seeing incentives um, from British Columbia. There is an incentive that the federal government will provide you, and there's also a capital cost allowance mm-hmm. um, that will be useful for certain businesses, but Ontario does not have a flat incentive uh, right now. Yeah, yeah, and I have heard too that, that that in itself also affects supply because the car manufacturers know that uh, they're, they, they need to support uh, what the incentives in BC and Quebec with cars. So that's affecting supply for Ontario as well. Yeah, I, I think, you know, when you talk about availability of cars, if you were to go and get certain cars now in Ontario, uh, it's not as easy as it would be, let's say, to get into Quebec because, like you said, OEMs are looking at the jurisdictions like Vancouver, Montreal and saying, well, there's a lot more incentive for people to buy, so we better mm-hmm. make sure that our stock is pretty high in these areas, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and that's what's really happening. Yeah. Is there any um, any um, upcoming incentives or changes that you think uh, businesses should be aware of that you're seeing? Or Yeah, I'd say the interesting thing is we haven't heard of any. Having said that, I think what's been really interesting is seeing the federal government and the provincial government, and, and by provincial I mean Ontario, providing incentives for large manufacturers uh, to come to Canada. So, I mean, a couple months ago, uh, most of us heard about Volkswagen establishing a very large battery plant in southwestern Ontario. Uh, I believe yesterday or the day earlier, um, Umicore also announced um, a battery plant that's going to be uh, created um, in, in Ontario. Given that those plants will be built, I, my expectation is is to you know, we'll have the supply, but we won't necessarily have the demand. And so we'll need to have proper provincial incentives so that people who are buying these vehicles will get the benefit of these mm-hmm. batteries that are being built kind of down the road. Yeah. So that'll be an interesting to, thing to watch. Um, and I think there's significant pressure from, you know, citizens to, to have that and to reintroduce it. So so back, let's go on out of the, the charging infrastructure um, what what do you what would you say about or what do you think of the current state of the the EV charging structure in in GT in the GTA and and specifically in Oakville? So, so right now we have about eighteen hundred public charging stations uh, with over five thousand charging ports across the province. Um, you're obviously going to find most of those in pretty urban areas, yeah. um, and, and that is a challenge in itself if you're looking to go for a, a longer drive in, in rural areas. Um, Oakville's done a pretty great job compared to most municipalities of having charging stations. You find them in most um, you know, public places, arenas, downtown mm-hmm. Oakville has them, um, and you know, large parking lots. So that's been great. Uh, I think there's an overwhelming need for more, uh, clearly across the province. I don't think that's a surprise for most. And I think the federal government and the provincial government are looking to be able to support providers to have those charging stations put everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an ongoing um, battle, I think. I mean, I think the other thing you're starting to see quite often too is 
developers understand the necessity to have charging stations in their developments. And so they're partnering with a lot of charging infrastructure providers to make sure that those are now, you know, in their new builds. Mm -hmm. So what are the challenges though, in in terms of expanding uh, the, the EV infrastructure, the charging infrastructure? Yeah, I think the obvious one is cost. Obviously, these things aren't the cheapest to, to put in. Um, there requires some construction. Um, you know, depending on the area, we've seen situations where charging stations are just kind of bolted onto the onto the ground. If you're in a highly urban setting, um, you may have charging stations that are kind of attached uh, to an apparatus that can be kind of pulled almost into the street. Um, you see that often in, in Quebec. Um, so that that's a big issue for sure is just the cost. Um, you know, I mentioned this before, the availability of space and kind of retrofitting is huge. So for mm-hmm. older buildings to be able to physically put the apparatuses in is one thing to also ensure that you have enough electrical capacity is, is also a huge thing and that isn't easily um, done. Um, and relatedly, obviously, is housing type. Um, you know, new build is relatively easy and it's almost becoming customary and standard. Yeah. Um, if you live in a low-rise older building, it's going to be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, you're seeing folks move away from, you know, getting EVs and buying them to, you know, going to a typical internal combustion engine vehicle solely because of that issue. Yeah. In general, the, um, the ability for if you're in like a single-family home, it's pretty... Um, pretty easy to do in terms of putting in a charging infrastructure. It's all these other types of homes like condos where um, there could be challenges based on the, the how the, it's structurally designed. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that's right. I think putting, for most of the folks who live, especially in Oakville, putting in a charging station into your house, assuming it's not a DCFC fast charger um, mm-hmm. that's more of a standard level two charger, which allows you to charge overnight pretty easily. Um, you know, we're talking about customarily under $2,000 for the actual structure plus the installation by a proper yeah. electrician, which I think is frankly great. Yeah. And is it also like, um, you know, Tesla was was the leader in, in this market and y- you see those Tesla stations. Um, are they a bit able to, to, are you able to plug other vehicles into those and vice versa? Yeah, so I think that the recent discussion now is to try to find basically a universal plug-in. Right. Right, so it, that it, it's it's kind of plug-and-play for most vehicles no matter what. Um, and so a significant number of OEMs have adopted the kind of mm-hmm. Tesla standard. There are a few that are still outside of that. Um, you know, Ford has now the Blue Oval Network as an example. Um, you know, Mercedes is also... Um, decided to, to join forces with a, a charging infrastructure provider as well. And I think you're seeing that more and more. But I, I think for the success of these EVs, you're going to find one standard mm-hmm. so that folks aren't going to not only have to find a charger, but a charger that fits their vehicle. Yeah. Um, so that that is definitely in the works. And, and I think the Tesla standard is probably where it's going to end up. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of like the... The smartphones and the USB-C plug is now uh, on all phones, I think, going forward. Yeah, so. that's exactly what I was going to say. It's almost exactly like the, the iPhone-Apple yeah. debate that, that we had previously. It's, it's going to be the same standard. And, and a lot of vehicles do come now with um, a universal adapter so that they can find charging stations that may not be particularly suited to their vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just another point on the, the charging infrastructure. You, you mentioned earlier the the number of charging stations um but how many more 
which stations do you think we need um, to, to meet growing demand? The federal government's come out with a number, which is around about 500,000 that's needed. Um, I, I think that's probably in the ballpark. And what are we at now? We're, We're at significantly less, about 150,000, okay. I believe. Um, so there's there's quite a huge gap here, obviously, that yeah. needs to be um, filled. I, I think it's a bit of a chicken and the egg dilemma, unfortunately. It's yeah. obviously we're not going to put in charging stations without the vehicles. Yeah. But, you know, if we have vehicles, then we need charging stations. And so that's kind of the issue that we're dealing with. Um, there are, you know, significant gaps in certain areas. Like I said, obviously, in rural settings, there's a need to have the, the charging station available. And, and so I think you're going to see a movement towards that, um, you know, kind of in due course for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's more than like a tripling of of what's what's there now is kind of over over the next few years probably where they see see the the ultimate kind of number to be. Yeah, I yeah. I, th- I think I think that's right. Um, I think people are comfortable who live in single family residences to put charging stations in their home. I think the challenge is for the for for government to be able to put charging stations in public places where people can freely charge. And charge mm-hmm. quickly, which I think is is the big issue yeah. here. Yeah. Um, you know, folks who are doing a drive from Toronto to Montreal have to plan out their drive and understand that they're probably going to stop, let's say, in a Kingston. You know, spend thirty minutes having lunch at a fast charger and then yes. move on. But there's only so many fast chargers there, and the fast chargers only take so long. So, you know, obviously, the more chargers, the faster they go, the more uptake you're going to have because it doesn't change your trip. Yeah, and then the other mm. factor is you go there, the charger's mm. occupied, or it's not working. <laughs> Those are two scenarios as well. Big time, yeah. big time. Um, so, so kind of getting on that uh, that notion that you hear of of range anxiety that folks have with EVs. Um, are there any um, innovative solutions or technologies that are being explored in this area? Yeah, so I, I think a lot of the infrastructure providers now have developed their own independent software, and that independent software we're seeing um, work quite seamlessly with other providers so that there's kind of a one-stop shop, which I think has been fantastic. I mean, I think we touched on this a bit earlier. We're seeing kind of a universal adapter so that you know a kind of one-size-fits-all approach is available. I think the other thing that's quite interesting is you're seeing, obviously, electric vehicles just you know, for, for normal individuals, you're also seeing quite a few buses that are coming out mm-hmm. being provided, um, which is interesting. And, and Oakville has a few of those. Um, but you're also seeing kind of more interesting designs. So, for instance, last mile electric vehicles that are being used in communities and suburbs where uh, a Canada Post, for example, can deliver packages on, a, you know, on a single charge or, you know, pizza can be delivered, heated mm-hmm. in the back of a vehicle that uses basically no greenhouse gas emissions. Those are kind of also interesting uh, technical developments that are kind of coming our way and could be a huge benefit, frankly, for suburbs like Oakville. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, what about, um, there's been discussion about, and we talked a little bit about, um, you know, batteries and the, uh, the range they have and, um, and the, the, the charging time. Uh, I know I seen an article uh, uh, recently where Toyota's uh, looking at a solid state battery technology that would triple the range and reduce the charging time. Do you, do you, can you comment on that at all? Or have you yeah, seen much of that? I think, I mean, we're seeing discussion on hydrogen batteries, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's largely a, a factor of 
people being worried that we're not going to have the materials to put into the batteries that are mm-hmm. currently used. Um, and, and that's obviously a huge issue. The battery becomes a larger issue in Canada, especially because it's cold here. Yeah. And so you're obviously using more battery to heat the vehicle and to get it going than you would, let's say, in yeah. a U.S. southern state. Um, and so you have seen some discussion as to whether or not maybe as great as the current batteries are here, moving to a different type of battery like a hydrogen battery could offset the issues we have with critical minerals, right. as an example. When we talk about um, you know batteries, we're also really talking about critical minerals, right? Mm-hmm. And we've seen along with you know the fantastic uh, transactions with Volkswagen, Humacore that I mentioned earlier, you're also seeing a stronger focus from the federal government on how do we promote um, and maintain um, you know the minerals we have in Canada that we need that we frankly need to create these batteries. Right, right. right. It's yeah, even just that that ability to produce the the batteries that we're we're forecasting we'll need. Um, so, so that's kind of getting into the, the future then. So, so based on current trends and, and your expertise, where would you, where do you see the EV market in Ontario going in the next five to 10 years? So I, I think, I think it's, it's continuing to grow. I think as we have more supply in the market, we'll have more take up. I think if you have incentives, consumer incentives, you'll see a huge, uh, shift in the growth here. Um, I mean, we do pretty well, right? I mean, mm. Vancouver, or I should say British Columbia and Quebec uh, are the largest, as they'll have the largest take-up of any Canadian province. Uh, Ontario is not far behind, and we don't even have incentives. Um, Oakville is actually the highest, uh, as the highest per capita of electric vehicles in anywhere in Ontario. Oh, really? Um, which is quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're, we're going to see expansion. I, I don't think there's a question about that. As the vehicle price comes down, hopefully incentives go up, um, charging infrastructure will be available, people will see uh, the necessity to switch. And I think, you know, you're already seeing municipalities like Toronto think about how they can move um, the electrical ve- the electric vehicle uh, mandate a little bit faster. I mean, you're seeing them push th- uh, to ensure that every taxi cab and ride share vehicle is electric over a point of time. Yeah. I, I don't that, know. That's your that last mile type uh, thought around having Correct. vehicles that are for more the short term kind of usages. Yeah, yeah. E- exactly. And, and frankly, we've even seen um, people start thinking about an electric vehicle from an industrial application. So, you know, how could you get a large tractor uh, dumper, so stuff like that up north in a mining territory? Um, mm-hmm. You know, you reduce your greenhouse gas emissions, cost is a lot further down, and all of a sudden you have a greener operation at a mine site. So we're also seeing that too. Mm-hmm. Great. So what would be your uh, top recommendations for businesses and consumers um, in Ontario to better adapt to the evolving EV landscape? Um, I think for employers, uh, or I should say companies, I guess, you know, having the ability for individuals to actually park their electric vehicle mm-hmm. somewhere and using charging infrastructure would yeah. be obviously a huge asset to the extent they're buying vehicles because they need to, they should, you know, look at the tax incentives that may be available to the federal government. Um, you know, there's capital cost allowance benefits and, and that's a huge benefit for them. I think from a consumer perspective, I mean, I don't think there's that many questions around whether it's cheaper to operate an electric vehicle than an, an ICE vehicle right now. And so notwithstanding that you may not have an incentive here in Ontario, it's still 
cheaper. It's interesting. Some vehicle providers now offer um, a buyback program with your existing vehicle. And when you net off the cost of the buyback, you know, for a lease, for example, it's actually quite affordable. Mm-hmm. You just have to kind of go down that path and, and run the numbers a few yeah. times. Um, and I think what people will find is is that the range on their vehicles, if they have EVs, is more than enough to cover. Uh, I think there's very few of us that are driving 500 and 600 kilometers a mm-hmm. day that mm-hmm. they feel the necessity yeah. to, to have to charge right away, yeah. which I think yeah. is great. Yeah, and that's why, like, even, you know, um, I'm expecting, you know, families uh, where where you have, like, two cars, you may see that where they kind of have the, the EV for the short haul type stuff and then have that other vehicle for, for longer trips. Yeah, I, I think the other interesting thing is, and I, I've heard this for a number of consumers, is is right, right now the electric vehicles that most of us can buy have all the bells and whistles. Yeah. And, and, and that, that's great. But for a lot of us, we don't need the bells and whistles. So if mm-hmm. we're only taking an electric vehicle to the go station or to the grocery store, theoretically then the cost of the vehicle could be significantly reduced. Mm-hmm. And, and that's also something that I think we should be watching for in the near future is can we just get a vehicle that kind of does the the basics. Yeah. It doesn't have to have the, all the bells and whistles. And if cost comes down and charging infrastructure is there, you may see a pretty significant uptake in that. And that's certainly the case in other countries, for instance, like China, where there are quite a few electric vehicle manufacturers most of us have never heard of mm-hmm. offering vehicles that don't have maybe all the bells and whistles we typically expect in a modern vehicle now. Yeah. And that's really, you know, that's really what's happening with the, the vehicle manufacturers. It's, it's the marketing 101. When you introduce a new product, you try to get the, the, the highest end of the demand curve in terms of what people will pay. And then they eventually bring it down further to where it's more affordable. I, I think that's right. I think if you're watching Tesla, for instance, which many people do, I mean, there's been a graduation here of of cuts to the price of the vehicles, right? Mm-hmm. It tells you something. Um, you have new entrants, um, you know, that are coming in, looking to come into Canada. You have, you know, household names like a Ford and a Mercedes, exam- you know, as an example, that are here. And, you know, people are watching. People are looking, right? Yeah. They have interesting vehicles. And, you know, as, as people get warm to the idea, I think we'll just see an uptake. It's just a little bit of an education has to happen right now. Yeah, and the other thing um, that I know, you know, talking to people about EVs is, is they're actually, the, the actual um, technology or the actual car, it's a very simple, op, like simple structure and design. It's not as complicated as a gas vehicle. So like even maintenance, it, it's really just the tires. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, that's pretty much all the maintenance that's needed. It's not as, as complicated. So you should see that because uh, it's a simpler thing to manufacture, more, more entrance prices going down. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. I mean, m- most of us who are watching the industry just kind of call it a car, a, you know, a computer on wheels. Yeah. Because um, that is effectively what it is. And, and to your point about um, maintenance, I mean, it's other than putting windshield washer fluid into your yeah. car once in a while, um, you know, and changing your tires for the seasons, that there is relatively n- no maintenance. Yeah. And, and that's quite nice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, nobody has to run out to go get an oil change. It doesn't exist. <laughs> Yeah, so there is that impact on the uh, the vehicle uh, dealerships because of the you know, another part of their business is the service bay. So it's yeah. it's a huge element. I mean, you talk about it's a computer on wheels. I mean, for a number of manufacturers, they can actually diagnose the issues with your car without you having to take it to a yeah. dealership. Yeah, it's it's that easy. It's no yeah. different than you know for some of us who have IT 
you know, departments in our, in our, with our employers is calling your IT people and asking them to help out and, yeah. and diagnose your issue. It's, it's the same concept. It's like your laptop. Well, my laptop's not working. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, and the other interesting thing I, I think, and, and, you know, I've, I've heard mixed arguments on this is, you know, usually when you buy a vehicle, you take it off the lot, it starts depreciating in five seconds. Yeah. You know, you have an interesting situation. Well, because it is a computer on wheels is you can update the software. Yeah. So the amount of depreciation with the car actually shouldn't be as much with an EV as with an ICE vehicle. Yeah. Um, and so at least for my vehicle, you know, you routinely have updates and new items that you can kind of add to the vehicle that mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's quite interesting. I never had in, you know, 30 years of owning a vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. So, so Marshall, are there any kind of final thoughts, anything you'd like to share with our listeners about the, the future, what you see as the future of the EVs? I think it's just a very exciting time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, y- you have new entrants into the market, um, you have old ones, and everybody's really just trying to figure out what's next. Mm-hmm. You know, we're seeing a huge movement into the charging infrastructure space, and you know, it appears the government is getting on board for most of that. We're seeing a push for supply chain efficiencies with getting you know battery manufacturers into Canada. And there's just going to be a huge opportunity for employers, employees, and frankly, consumers to take advantage of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Marshall. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to the Members of the Chamber podcast by the Oakville Chamber of Commerce. Connect with hundreds of Oakville businesses and learn more about what we do at oakvillechamber.com.